refugees immediately. Hmm. I refuse to allow Zaf to destroy that ship. Not after all this. Welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode episode Gundam Seed podcast, where we watch every episode of the 2002 Gundam series Gundam Seed, because that's the one I like, and then we talk about how great it was. My name is Jeremy. What are you going to do if another group starts doing a podcast that's an episode-by-episode episode review of this show? Maybe will, ever actually release this one? I will challenge them to a game of Gundam Seed, the never-ending tomorrow, and they will say no, forfeiting, and thus I will win. I'm Tyler. I didn't know what we were doing this because this was Jeremy's favorite one. I thought it was because other reasons. I'm not sure what they would have been, but uh, yeah, my name is Zach. Iron-Blooded Orphans is threatening to surpass it, but it's only 13 episodes in, so I need to we'll get see. back and catch up on that show. I Ashar showed up, and he's like, I am Ashar. <laughs> and is it really necessary for every Gundam series yes. to have Ashar? Yeah. Their contract- double or Eterna Gundam doesn't have one. They're contractually obligated to have Ashar. Yeah, actually, Eterna I, I, Gundam- I don't actually... think G Gundam has one. People say it's Schwartz Bruder, but I- No. Yeah. No. Because isn't I think Schwartz he's a clone the of his brother? He was a ninja from Germany. He was also a clone of Dumon's brother. Yeah. yeah his no. name I can't remember. Kyoji! Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, you had to shout it to remember. <laughs> but yeah, and the main character has a harem of girls that he's slowly forming because his boss's boss has a harem of girls who control his giant battleship and fight in Gundams for him. And it trickles down. Seems <laughs> legit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want trickle-down harems. <laughs> Do you really want trickle-down harems, Tyler? I'll take what I can get. Fair enough. And Gundam Build Fighters is also my favorite, but I don't count it as a Gundam series. It's my favorite Yu-Gi-Oh! series. <laughs> <laughs> I should really watch that, because I started watching, apparently, Build Fighters Try, and I haven't picked either of them back up since. It's been busy. All right, so we're on episode 13, Stars Falling in Space. And this is, I don't want to say this is the first big episode, because a lot of stuff has happened thus far, but this is the first big blowout. It's not the first big action episode either, but I guess it's a turning point in the series. Yeah, it get really dark. Like, there were some dark moments, like, this entire episode is pretty heavy. Just because you forgot to turn on your lights. And they're going to be in the atmosphere now, which means they have to redraw the backgrounds and all of the stock footage attack shots. <laughs> <laughs> the buster needs some trees behind it. Or some yes. sand dunes. I mean, they might have multiple different biomes that they're in. This is becoming a problem. They're going to have to do the Pokemon style thing where they have like a stock biome for battles. Green screen. But you have to animate it. You, yeah, you have to draw a new background. To put over the green screen. Shouldn't be too hard. Yeah, I don't know what to lead into this episode with. It's just a big it's, fight, basically. Although, and it starts, like, immediately, too. Well, like episode five before it, this episode has been led up to right away. The last episode ended with people launching so we could get right into it, which is a trick Gundam Seed pulls a few times, and it pretty much always works. Well, it's because while they do it a few times, they don't do it every time there's going to be a fight. They don't split every fight into launch sequence, and then the next episode is the fight sequence. No, only when everyone dies. But they've already spent all last episode building all the tension. There's a little more tension building at the start of this one, but we can get right into the fight. And we get to see Kevin's earlier predictions come true. I can't remember what his prediction was. Well, he said that four Earths versus ship is about one Zaft ship. 
It looks like they got 12 ships there. So Zeph <laughs> needs three, and they should be fine. Guess what? Although they managed to take one down, but spoilers. Yeah, anything we want to say before it, or should we just get right into it? Well, like the episode, right we should just it. get into it. We don't even get a last time on Gundam, which you would think would be especially appropriate here when we've gotten right up to it. But even that makes it feel like we're getting way in, right into it. We see the fleet and the Admiral orders the Archangel to hide. And basically they're like, hey, we're about to fight. You get a bunch of scenes of laser drones, I guess. I'm not entirely they're, sure um, they they're Mobius units. Are yeah. they? Yeah, those okay. are the Mobius. So those are totally manned because I felt nothing when they blew up earlier, but now I'm slightly sadder. And you basically get to see all the weapons being brought to bear on the Archangel. And we get all that techno babble I love about ready end jammers, end jammer levels rising, prepare anti-beam death charges, launch wombats. Uh, then we get a cut of Kira bouncing around the ship. If you remember last episode, he just made a very important decision to stick with the army. It doesn't feel that tense here, although the music helps. We get the phase shift going on for the Gundams and Izak being pissed determined. And then we get a not exactly creepy shot of Flay staring at Kira's uniform sort of forlornly. And then the uh, good guys show up on the bridge. The good guys, the students, and Maru is a little confused, but you think someone would have told her. Yeah, you think the Taro would say, oh, by the way, we have a crew. You know, yeah, I, it's, it's weird. <laughs> Wait, what are you guys doing here? Did, did no one tell you we're actually here now? Like Maybe, we're official? Say, say what you will about her being a bad captain. Her combat officer could have at least told her yeah, that much. No, that one I'll grant you. That That's that's the, Maybe the Taro that's just kind of being, yes, I'm not telling you anything. Well, there's a point at which Maru gets really pissed at Nataro later in this episode, but maybe that's why, because Nataro just doesn't tell her <laughs> shit, and then she's just fed up with it, finally. <laughs> then we get some gins deploying, it's not even stock footage, and Raurukuse again saying, hey, focus fire on the legged ship, an order that he doesn't seem to have unlocked yet, because whenever he gives it, uh, his troops just ignore it. I actually really like the fighting between the Mobiuses and the Jins. Some of this is recycled from the first episode, but that's old enough that it feels new. And it's really well animated. Well, if you think about it, yes, we had to focus fire on the uh, Archangel, but the Mobius are still there. And if you just fly past them, despite the fact that they're worse than the Jins, they will shoot you. They will still shoot at you. What actually kind of makes it look like the Mobius are almost a threat to the Jins, which is kind of neat. Well, I think that's some of the pilots showing off. <laughs> and it has been established that in numbers, the Earth forces are supposed to be able to take the Zaf forces. I actually have some theories about that this episode that I wish I had had when Kevin was here so we could discuss them. It's a quality versus quantity thing, and just remember, quantity has a quality all its own. I, I guess I can talk about it now. I kind of am under the impression that Zaf's technology has improved recently. I think so. Like, in the original series, the stock unit is the Zaku 2. We don't see a lot of the Zaku 1, but in flashbacks and stuff, we do see that it was a worse mobile suit and they have recently upgraded. I kind of wonder if there's something similar with the Jins. Like there was something before the Jin that was a lot worse. The only thing is they would definitely make that a toy, even if it never showed up and that <laughs> hasn't happened. But I think maybe some of the writers are working under the assumption that Zaft has recently gotten much stronger. There's even a little bit of dialogue later in this episode to support my theory, which is why I came up with it here. Well, it makes that a lot makes of sense. sense, and it explains why the Earth Forces only just now got around to building Gundams. They're like, oh man, they stepped up their game. We had to set well, up Or that their Mobius were functional, and so they wanted to use the Gundams to get a major, major edge, but now they're finding out that the Mobius aren't quite up to snuff as yeah, what they thought they also were. Also, presumably, if, uh, god damn it, I forgot his name. He's like one of my, uh, Moo? Yeah, that also makes sense if Moo presumably shot down a bunch of Jins earlier. Like, he's been proven completely ineffective thus far 
He's been okay against the Jins. He's only been ineffective against the Gundams, really. But if it was a previous model of Jin, that might That's make true. a lot more sense. Yeah, it also explains mo- why everyone's freaking out about how are they beating us so badly. Yeah, if this was a consistent thing in the war where they were getting their asses handed to them on a regular basis on this scale. They would have surrendered They already. would have surrendered or they would not be making aggressive sorties anywhere. All right, so then we cut to Kira going to the uniform room. And <laughs> the locker room? Locker room, there we go. And Flea does that space tackle hug thing uh, and is suddenly very affectionate with him. Which kind of comes out of nowhere. Also, at least in America, that level of physical contact is not really generally acceptable for, you know, kind of a stranger, especially when you're attached to a significant other. I think the significant other thing is the problem. I think they're not really strangers, but it does look like a sexually charged hug to use a off Which is why he looks so surprised. They also seem to, I mean, this may just be because this is the first episode she's in a skirt, or I guess a short skirt. But they seem to try to emphasize the fact that she has legs in this episode, and I think that's to help emphasize Kira's potential consternation with that. I agree, because Mirialia is in the same outfit, and she doesn't even have the stockings, which arguably the stockings make Flay sexier. It depends on what you're into. But Mirialia is showing more leg, and they don't really focus on that in the same way. They definitely seem to draw it intentionally, and I think there is probably a reason to that. It's probably not just Cheesecake. Or it's just to emphasize the fact that she's not in the civilian clothes anymore. I don't think that's the case. But Why does the military uniform show off so much like Because Japan. I don't okay. understand this. Why don't they just have the same uniform between men and women? I don't know. So we're cut off from the sudden hug into the opening. And this is the last time we're going to see this particular opening. So is there anything- while it lasts? Space whale. Is there anything we want to say about it now that we've seen all the episodes for it? Kigali sure shows up a lot in it, despite not actually appearing in any of the episodes. Yeah, Kigali and Atherin have interacted more in the opening, which is to say, at all, than in the series. They do not even know that each other exist. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, it's going to be still a while before they do. A lot of this animation gets used in the second opening as well. The music changes, I know that. Oh man, I just now noticed that they have like the DNA strands behind Moo. He's totally a new type, isn't he? Yeah, well, again, it's not subtle, but they never say it. But you are supposed to assume that. Does he ever get another new type flash? Because I feel like he had one in one of the, like, the second episode or something. They added them, in, a few of them in the HD re-release, so they okay. didn't do a lot of that. But Like, remember, funnels are a new type weapon. That is true. Yeah, they more go with that. The new types are the only ones that use funnels in the series. Even though they never explain that they're the only ones who can. Kogali shows up a lot more here. Man, I don't know what else to say about it. I'll miss it. Also, Raoul the Crusade does more fighting, because he has also not fought Kira, but does in the opening. Yeah, that's true. All right, any final thoughts on it besides we'll miss it? Not really. Not particularly. I like the song a lot. Yeah, me too. All right, so then we again cut into the battle, Jins versus Mobius. The Jins are just crushing them, but it's really cool visually. Yeah, there was that one shot where the Jin lands on it and shoots it from on top. Some of these are recycled, but they're recycled from so long ago that it's easy to forget. And also we see the Gundams tearing stuff up here as well. All four of them, including the new assault shroud on the duel, which is basically a cannon on one shoulder and some missiles on another. It surprises Kira a lot later. It makes it look a little less like it's just the Gundam and more like it's the Gundam from the origin version that has a cannon on it. I actually kind of like the additional thing. I think we should rank it separately. All right. So then there's um, talk on the Admiral like, man, we have to shoot down these Gundams because they are messing with us. Eh, We can build more of those later. Whatever. Well, I mean... 
the Admiral just ordered everybody to make that a focus point. And should I point out that Flay wants Kira to protect the Archangel and she's preventing him from actually getting to his mobile suit? Yeah, I mean, she's got to buff him up. Also, it, he's just going to be waiting there anyway. She doesn't know that necessarily, but there's no reason for him to be in a hurry. Uh, like Zach alluded to, we cut back to Flay and Kira. And Kira, like us, is confused about why Flay is suddenly... Uh, Totally physically into him. Although I think she plays it off pretty well where she basically says, I never thought I was going to see you again. I thought you were gone. And also you are the only one who is a decent mobile suit pilot. So you might understand why I'm emotional. (laughs) Because she basically said she was going to try to volunteer to pilot the strike. I don't think the crew would have let her. (laughs) Well, someone, it's better to have someone than no one, right? She obviously has no training and she doesn't say it. She just alludes to it. And Kira sees the locker with the flight suit in it being open and he kind of sexistly berates her i don't think it's supposed to be that i think it's more supposed to imply a girl like you who has been pampered and useless her entire life i think it's more specifically flay yeah not necessarily a girl can't do it more of you you specifically specifically can't do it (laughs) it does have that sort of shining knight thing to it which i think kira is probably going for because he is into flay and wants to appear that way to her but it is a little eh. But this is Flay for the first time trying to do something, which makes it look like she's genuinely trying to turn around a bit instead of speechifying. Speaking of which, what exactly is her combat station? She doesn't have one. They didn't have time to assign her one. Okay, so she's basically in uniform just wandering around the ship doing jack? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Again, maybe Natarl could have assigned her to something. Maybe Natarl was like, I I really really don't don't think Maru has any idea that Flay joined the military. So it's like two weeks later. (laughs) Yeah. Flay's reporting for duty. Wait, what the hell? You're still on the ship? (laughs) You're in the military? (laughs) Weren't you the girl who threatened to kill their... (laughs) What are you still here for? What do you mean you joined? Kira, suddenly far less torn up about it, is even smiling when he says he'll go take care of it. Clearly he wholeheartedly embraced that decision recently. You know, between... In the hallway. Or maybe the moment Flay hugged him. (laughs) (laughs) So you're saying boner power is what's going on here. Boner motivation. (laughs) The power of boners is stronger. And and like all teenage boys, he can't just say, you might make out with me. He's like, we have to end the war, protection, blah, blah, blah. But Flay totally rewards him by just coming out with uh, kissing him. Like, totally French kissing him, too. Like, you can see tongue before it closes. She is into it, and he is surprised and then into it. Well, and then Kira... Not wanting to, you know, rebuff her or anything, because he's against confrontation, just, you know, he accepts He's also it. totally into her. Yeah, he really is. But he's also, like, best friends with her boyfriend? So. Yeah, you think about that after the kiss. <laughs> also, yeah, I guess he is, She started it. I guess he is an emotionally wrought teenager. Yeah, and like, like Zach said, she started it, I just finished it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at me, Sai, she started it, I just didn't want to be rude. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, he really didn't, because that's how Kira does. So we cut from that to some definitely stock footage. One of them is actually a shot of Moo shooting some gins that I find amusing. <laughs> They've just cut him out. But then there's some more stuff of the gins just totally destroying the ships. You know, it makes you wonder, because they aren't having the Archangel fight in this conflict, if the Archangel would actually make a difference if they'd started the fight with the Archangel involved. Or uh, the strike with the giant gun sitting on top of the Archangel. That might have helped take down some of those flagships. Yeah, Rao even specifically kind of mentions that, and he brings up that Admiral Halberton had the idea of making the Gundams, and he's going to prove to him that it was a good idea, because they're fucked without them. <laughs> Especially now that they're fighting against them. Death grabs! <laughs> so yeah, the, the Aegis's transformed form is... I don't even know how to explain it. It looks like a head crab from a... 
Half-life. Yeah, and it's got a big gun in the chest. So it just starts going to some ships, grabbing them and shooting. It honestly seems like a really effective method. I just like, why isn't it just always that shape? The, the Aegis just like is a mobile suit that baffles me, <laughs> design-wise. The transformation doesn't make sense to me. I already feel like you have to kind of justify transforming mobile suits. But the Aegis just really is... Well, you have to justify transforming... Who came up with that? You have to justify transforming anything, because the... Like, the extra mechanics necessary? the the extra mechanics necessary to make that work, the weight, all sorts of other stuff is... uh, We're already accepting giant robots, right? Giant robots don't make any sense. We were just talking about that on our other podcast. No, no, there's so so they can see over the hills in Afghanistan. That's why you use them in space. Like see over those space hills. Hey, this looks like a normal shot, or this looks like a familiar shot. Yeah, I feel as though I've seen this before. Like I said, they use a lot of reuse a lot of footage because it's anime. But yeah, I know. I actually feel like the ball is a completely acceptable design for a spacesuit. It's really functional. It's got fine manipulators. You can mount a gun to it if you need to. The ball makes sense. Mobile suits make no sense. But they have arms, which means they can turn course without using fuel. I mean, technically, but you could just have, like, a rotating turret. Yes, yes you can. <laughs> a rudder, more or less. Actually, you could mount the uh, engines on a rotating thing and just spin the thing, and then you could, like, yeah. This is a solvable problem without mobile suits, but they're cool. So, the Gundams are destroying battleships, they're just getting rinsed. Even the Jins are blowing up battleships, like we said before. The Earth Forces clearly stand no chance, it's kind of a massacre. A few Jins do get destroyed since it's such a big battle, but... Yeah, eventually you're going to run into a big gun, even if you're really, really good at this. Yeah, it's mostly that there are just so many bullets, you can't avoid all of them. It's kind of like that. I, I do like how the uh, reference to the fleet being shot down in space is still sunk. Yeah, well, got to keep those uh, naval terms. Well, yeah, I mean, technically, it's still Blackwater Navy. So there's this kind of weird line where Raul Crusade is like, Atherin and Nickel are too kind, we shouldn't let enemies escape, and they shoot down some ships. I'm fine with it, it establishes a lot of character. But I feel like they didn't really animate it right. It doesn't look like Nickel and Atherin are the ones responsible back. for that. Yeah, if they had shown them like flying away after destroying some guns or something, that yeah, but, line would work a lot like, better for me. Both of them aced the bridge of the ships yeah. that they that they attacked before. Or that. maybe a little bit of Atherin's where he's like, "Man, I feel guilty about having done that at all," or something. I love that Maru has a physical phone when it's a wireless transmission. It makes no sense. Also, she has video in front of her. (laughs) So Maru picks up the phone and Mu is like, hey, why why am I no-do thing? And she is like, Admiral, say we no-do thing. We hide in back. I don't know why they're cavemen now. (laughs) We hide in the back and that's the plan. And Mu is- We follow orders. And Mu is like, well, it's not like I can do anything on my own, but I am a named character. Come on. (laughs) It's almost exactly what he says, too. The strike looks really weird without the phase armor up. All it kind of does, yeah. Do. There's no reason to paint them bright colors, though. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. So Maru calls the Admiral and is like, well, if we can't fight, can we at least try to descend to Earth now? Uh, we won't be able to make it to Alaska, but we can reach Earth Force's territory. And this might be a good time to bring up, this is the first episode in a while that is very similar to an episode of Mobile Suit Gundam. There wasn't a fleet involved in that one, but this is very similar to the White Base's descent. She's right. She's asking to descend because of the fact that they're going to get slaughtered if everybody stays there. Well, so not to mention- dropping, dropping out of the fight and removing the target. target will let the fleet, in theory, 
withdraw in decent order. Or at least not focus on protecting the target. Not to mention that the Archangel kind of represents all the technological advantage the Federation might have. Which is why he's willing to sacrifice the fleet for them. But Maru has come up with a plan that requires fewer sacrifices for, in theory, the same objective. We won't let a single enemy through. We have not the firepower to actually enforce that statement, but we'll do it anyway. We'll try our best not to let enemies through. (laughs) Well, it's something to be said for trying to make subordinates feel better about that kind of a... You don't tell somebody, yeah, we're boned. You say, we've got a chance. We We can do this. And they are getting lots of attacks of opportunity, even if they're not all that successful. They are clearly getting a lot of shots. And we do see a few gins going down. And the Gundam seem busy with the battleships. Horde of Mobii. And those. <laughs> Mobiotopies. The Archie even says, man, the only thing they have is numbers as they're shredding through them. Isaac, on the other hand, is more, strike, must find strike, you know, strike. I feel that if the strike hadn't deployed and they just, like, let him stew on it for a couple months, he would have gone insane and been totally useless. <laughs> he probably would have had a heart attack. <laughs> the battle is only interrupted by eye-catch and make-outs. Hi, everyone. I hope you've been enjoying this episode. I have some very special guests, the other people who are also on this podcast anyway. Hey, it's me, Jeremy. Why are there handcuffs? My name is Zach. (laughs) And also, we have Kevin, who guessed it two episodes ago. That was almost good timing. Yeah, I'm not really great at timing. We're here because Kevin and I have a brand new podcast to tell you about, and I swear it's the last one. I'm not going to McElroy this up anymore. (laughs) Unless Jake Mason wants to do Hey Digimon with me, hit me up. Eventually, Jeremy's just going to have... D&D on one night, and then the rest of them are just all podcasts. Yep. Oops, all podcasts. Anyway, our new podcast is called Jumpstart Weekly. It's a manga podcast. We're going to read Shonen Jump every week. I've never read an issue of Shonen Jump in my life. That's a lie. I haven't read an issue of Shonen Jump since Shonen Jump Monthly number one. And then we're also going to be reading a different Takuban. I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce that. We're starting with Dragon Ball, because where else would you start? I mean, you could start with Astro Boy, not a bad pick. Maybe Common Rider, not a bad pick. Blackjack. Yeah, I'm not a big Blackjack guy. I, I'm mostly just a fan of his, like, collected series of actors. I can't even remember what the guy's name is, but the guy who did the Astro Boy. Mm. Uh, yeah, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. No idea. Starman. It's like Astro Boy. He's the father of Astro Boy. So our Zero episode, where we explain the podcast basically like we just did, is available at lastpodcast.com right now. And this Saturday, the episode on Dragon Ball will be out, and we hope that you listen to it, and it will be good. It will. Again, that's lastpodcast.com. You can email us at Gundam at lasttimeonvideogames.com, or follow us on Twitter at LTOV Gundam. Okay, thanks. Back to the episode. And when we come back, Moo is bringing out his frustrations on the mechanic. He's like, what am I going to do? I'm a mechanic. I like the ablative gel idea. That's pretty cool. Okay, so yeah, they begin preparing to descend to Earth, and like Tyler said, it's a blade of gel. I believe that's how the white base does it as well, though. It's been a long time. I didn't have a chance to watch that episode before we But basically, this. the ship has a bunch of pores all over the outside of it to squirt gel out to help deal with heat. It's hard to tell in this version. When Kira goes by him, is it Kira talking about the four machines? Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay, because they don't label them on the subtitles. We cut back to the uh, hangar, and Kira comes in and is like, well, I'm pretty sure that those four Gundams are going to chase us, because they're (laughs) Gundams and can totally enter the atmosphere, so I better be here. 
Moo and Murdoch are surprised, and Moo has a pretty nice line about how screwed up Kira's life is going to be because he joined the military when he was 16. Yep. And again, he is the middle between Maru, who will be very upset with this, and Nataru, who's like, yep, this is good. Everything is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) The the reason why he's the middle ground is he understands that it's necessary on the Nataru side of things, and on top of that, he feels bad about it. Yes. Nataru doesn't feel bad about anything. Then we get a cut of Flay wandering out a hallway, wondering if she left the oven on. She looks concerned. I don't know if she's supposed to be concerned for Kira or afraid they really are going to die or what. It is much better than her previous hide on her bed and put her pillow over her head. Yeah, at least she's moving this time. I mean, I really feel they should have given her a job, latrine duty, something. Yes, I agree. But the Tarl is apparently in charge of recruitment and not telling the captain. I totally just had an image of Flay helping him as a mechanic. (laughs) (laughs) So we get some techno babble about them going to Earth, mostly just to break up the fighting. Then the Admiral's like, okay, get the hell out of here. Remember, approach at minimal speed so as many people can die in the process of protecting us as I possible. I so we don't burn the hell up in the atmosphere. I think it's I partly agree, so yeah. we don't burn up or risk burning up and can attract attention that we're bailing. Because it's it's hard to hide the fact that this massive flagship is dropping out of the fight. So Admiral Halberton starts giving a speech to the remaining ships about how they gotta, they gotta protect the Archangel. They gotta... But I, I feel as though his it, um, speech is a little bit on the late side. You, you'd normally yeah. give this speech earlier. Well, you know, maybe he wants to give them a second win <laughs> since they are getting destroyed. Be like, hey, what we're fighting for is worth it. He's a 4E bard? Yes. Yep. Rao, on the other hand, is like, God damn it. I'm going to kill this entire fleet, but I won't feel good about it because I'm not going to get the Archangel, which is my goal. So he seems to buy into the series premise that this one ship is more important than an entire fleet. Which, and I'm not saying they haven't set it up well, but it is very fiction. Especially because, in theory, they should have the specs for the Archangel already someplace else to build another one. And they talk about the combat data, which is also important. Because they came up with new albums or something. They can say, hey, it works. Yay! Also, the strike can apparently take on three Gundams at once. (laughs) Only when it's been piloted by a Berserker. (laughs) We get Mu and Kira in their cockpit, just kind of preparing. And Kira still has his little paper flower from the... Little refugee girl earlier, and he sticks it in his uh, ship like a pinup. Is she on that shuttle? She is on that shuttle. We'll see her shortly. More stock footage of the Gundams blowing stuff up, which is how you save money while doing a giant battle episode. (laughs) You do little sparks in the sky and ships blowing up. Oh, and all the special attack uh, shots you already have. You know, Diarca putting his guns together and Moon Tiara shotgun! (laughs) (laughs) That would have solved so many of her problems. (laughs) So the duel and the buster managed to pass the uh, so Admiral's much for, ship. So much for not letting anyone through. To be fair, they're attacking the ship. Moo calls uh, Captain again and is like, hey, at least let us fight. Uh, we have to have some time before we're burned up into the atmosphere. And Kira's like, hey, the strike can totally descend on the Earth in its own. That's nifty. So you should let me fight. And yeah, Everybody has the what the hell moment when be- Kira speaks up. Because everyone, last episode, was really pushing to get him to leave. Like, Tall nearly escorted him to the ship. He, was he did just, push him in that direction. Yeah. I think a lot of them feel like they joined the military in part so Kira wouldn't have to. So, obviously, it's surprising to them all. Uh, but the Tarl just goes over Maru's head and is like, yeah, you can deploy, it's fine. Uh, which upsets her. I've noticed during this bridge scene, too, Maru has been looking increasingly haggard, like her hair is getting more wildly disarrayed. Also, I watched the not HD version of this, and at that scene, 
Nataro says, yeah, go ahead. Maru gets up and says, what the hell? Why are you going over my head? They have a little face-off in the non-HD version. She looks pissed. In the HD version, she actually kind of looks more like sad that they're having to force Kira to do this. Yeah, I think that's probably what the script intended. It just... Uh, and yeah, then just animation didn't quite work. One of the nice things about the HD edition is they got to add new type flashes and fix Maru's emotions. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's in the new patch. Maru's emotions are now more Also her balanced. hair. It gets wilder the more distressed she is. The, I think the shot really sticks out, though, because it's been drawn more recently. Diarca demands permission mm-hmm. to destroy them. Yeah. From them, not, <laughs> yeah, from, yeah. not from his commander. And the Strike and the Zero get ready to launch, and Mu has a pretty nice line about how even he hasn't had to be in this crazy situation, where you're literally descending to Earth and deploying to defend on a time limit. Yeah, you've got <laughs> with we've gravity got five minutes. In, and we don't get that overly long shot of the Strike being equipped. Yay, thank you. Thank you, <laughs> Joe. I feel like that only ever occupies about 30 seconds. Although I guess that's 1 of a show. And, and we get Cap- a shot of the captain of the uh, Captain Beardy Gamow. the Gamow. <laughs> and this is the first time he's been shown on his own at all. Just I want to say I out was, of context, it obviously is leading to something, but it does kind of seem like someone left the real- camera rolling <laughs> on him by accident. <laughs> captain Beardo. <laughs> Who doesn't have a name yet. He gets one this episode. He's I was Selman. Really but- confused when it showed him. Um, before, like, I it made sense by the end of the episode. I'm like, who is this guy? Is he the captain of the? Uh- it is super random. <laughs> There's some cool shots of the strike shaking, and Kira's like, "Oh man, gravity, that's weird." Better put my foot on the pedal, my <laughs> gravity pedal. It makes this fight kind of feel cool and different. The GM came up with some terrain penalties for people, and even though the Earth's gravity being near is mostly a plot device, it does add to the tension of the series because we have a nice time limit. And Isaac is like, strike! <laughs> I'll kill you. Isaac goes right for him. The two begin fighting like earlier, and Kira points out that it has a cool new toy you can buy for five ninety nine at your local toy shop. It's very similar to the last fight, but it is cool because even with the equipment, the two mobile suits are very similar. It's mostly long range equipment that he got. Like, what's I going to do in an up close fight with the strike? Uh, and we get the same shot before of Diarca and Mu fighting, and them being upset at each other but not really having an intense rivalry because this is their jobs. No one's eye got knifed between them. <laughs> yeah. I really like the just the footage between the duel and the strike. Some of it is reused from last time, but it's just very uh, close quartersy and cool. I actually like how DR, in his fight with Mu, he keeps referencing that his mobile suit is getting heavy and hard to move. Yeah, it just adds to that tension, like I said. It doesn't really do anything for the fight, but it adds a tension because it could. You never know when the fight is going to have to well, be aborted. And, and it is a reminder of this is that there's something else here that you can't necessarily see through animation. Yeah. Yeah. How do you animate gravity? I mean, I guess the shaking we, of the strike was pretty much it. Yeah. Like we figured out a way to animate magnets in less serious shows with weird wavy lines. But anyway, the reason we got the shot of Zelman earlier is the Laurasia class is now charging the Archangel, despite it starting to enter Earth's gravity. Well, it gets the plus two to its attack. Yeah. Addis is like, Zelman, what are you doing, you crazy bro? And he's like, you can't hear me, and my voice actor wasn't paid much, but I have a beard. This is a pretty big problem. Moo goes on like a bombing run, but he can't quite destroy the ship on his own. And it is destroying the last of the Earth ships, which they're slowly starting to run out of. If there's one problem in this fight scene, it's I wish they had given the number of Earth ships at the start. So each one being destroyed felt a little less like scenery and more like the tension was building. Yeah, because they aren't really building tension, they're just random explosions. Yeah. Robert Crusade is like, oh, Nickel and Atherin are soft, but bring them back now, because 
Diarca and Izak are screwed. They're in the atmosphere, and we don't need to lose them, too. And I guess finally we've got the Admiral's ship is being pummeled by the charging Laurasia class, and the Admiral actually gives the order to dump the shuttle with the refugees in it. After his lieutenant is surprised that they're making a suicide run. Which, to be fair, it is surprising. You would think, as outnumbered as Zaft is, one ship loss is a big deal. That's a third of their force. That is true, actually. And it's shocking to everybody that's on the battlefield that this ship is making a suicide charge. That's true. Even the other captains. That goes back to the loose chain of command that you've mentioned a couple times, because he just made that decision on his own and didn't, like, ask for permission from Rao or anything. He's just like, I'm going to go on a suicide run, guys. Bye. (laughs) Helmsman, punch it. Wait, why? (laughs) Are we allowed to mutiny? No, my beard prevents that. That's why. Why do you think I took that Beard of mutiny prevention. It's a wondrous (laughs) item. I really like me some broadside combat, and we get a few shots of that as the two ships fight. And uh, one way to show gravity is to just show the ships starting to burn in the atmosphere, and we see that happening with them as the shuttle gets released. One of the things that I really regret that they don't do in this is they reference that they have that shuttle with the refugees on it, but they don't actually make an announcement to anything that a, there is a shuttle with civilians on it in the combat zone. Yeah, that would be useful, wouldn't it? It's... Uh, yeah, on the other hand, they are literally being charged by an enemy ship That's while true. they're in the atmosphere. I, I do agree with you, but it or might like be a low white on the flag tri- transponder or something like that, but I mean, I kind of understand why you wouldn't have, why you wouldn't think of it, because it's a shuttle. Who's going to shoot at it? Ah, yeah, that's a good question, isn't it? Yeah, I know. Yeah, you don't keep angry teenagers on battlefields that would do it out of spite, so. All right, so the Archangel is two minutes away from the point where the units can't return, so the Mobius and the Strike are ordered to return. We get to see the Mobius's grappling hook again, and we get the shot of Diarca being like, oh crap, it's too- I've gone <laughs> I too far. Up. I screwed uh, up. This is bad. Like, you see him with all thrusters firing, trying to escape gravity. It's very similar, again, to the episode of Gundam that inspired this, where Crown entered the uh, point of no return, and Shara was like, well, you're screwed, Crown. But look on the bright side. The Gundam is totally going to burn up in the atmosphere. Ah, uh, ha, ha. <laughs> and then Gundam was like, Gundam, descend to Earth. And Shara was like, what? what? Here they presumably know about it, because I assume all the Gundams have it. And then we see the uh, Laurasia burn up in the Gamow. atmosphere. Gamow? No, I yeah. think it was a Laurasia class. Yeah, it is. Oh. The Gamow is the It is the named Gamow. It ah. is the Laurasia ship, cla- uh, ship Gamow. And Captain Ryan Beard Zoman. <laughs> and uh, so Moo lands and immediately asks where Kira is. Yeah, because that's, he that's should be character. back. But Kira is busy, you know, he doesn't want to risk attacks of opportunity from Izak. Izak took all the feats to enhance them. <laughs> we see a blade of gel covering the Archangel. And then Admiral Halberton. Halberton. Yeah. Halberton's ship explodes. <laughs> and the Menelaus? It is the Menelaus, yes. And Maru looks very Nelson sad class. about it. She's giving it a salute and everything. Yeah, as is Natarl. She's not. She's not the worst. Everybody who's not <laughs> ov- who's not currently engaged in something to keep the ship from burning to death is yeah. currently doing. The officers. Yeah, the officers are saluting. The crew is actually busy. Kira and Izak are still going toe to toe. They get some nice anime fight dialogue. If you won't defeat me, ah, die strike. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Nickel, despite being bullied, is like, Isaac, Diarca, no. Atherin, who is antisocial, is like, Kira, my love interest, no. <laughs> I, I love how in the background of the fight, though, you can is just see the- Diarca? Is Diarca? Is Diarca given up, or is he, like, preparing for descent? Because he is on a long-range mobile suit. Or maybe he doesn't want that penalty and the chance to hit Isaac. That would make sense, actually. Well, yeah, because he's, he's got both guns just attached to the back of the mobile suit, just kind of, yeah, well, this sucks. 
It's possible that he's got so much momentum in one direction he can't actually turn. Well, he obviously stored them, and he was looking uh, at yeah. the fight. That's a good point. He w- just wants to watch, like us. He doesn't want to interrupt this cool fight in the atmosphere. <laughs> they are they are having a lightsaber battle while falling to earth. It, it's just funny because he look in the background. He looks so kind of sullen that it's like this sucks. The mobiles yeah. are just kind of falling <laughs> alongside everything else, not actually doing anything. Yeah. And Kira, like always, decides to go, instead of his weapon, straight for a kick and finally manages to make some distance on the duel in doing so. Should have killed a cool him. Shot. He didn't really have a chance to use a lethal weapon there. No, but he, sh- he could have well, pulled out a reason rifle. he had, didn't have a beam oh, maybe, saber in his hand at the time. Maybe he threw his rifle away earlier off screen because he that's what did, he does. Because that's what Kira does. <laughs> Isaac takes out his <laughs> rifle to shoot, but the shuttle from before comes between them. Tension, oh no, what's going to happen? Isaac oh. is going to be upset. Yeah, it's a good thing he didn't shoot that shuttle. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then as it passes, they're far enough away that Izak can't hit him. So he just tries to shoot the shuttle instead. Kira gets upset and tries to sacrifice himself or hit the duel. I'm not sure if Kira and Izak are supposed to be having a conversation here, or if their thoughts are just... Happen to coincide this way. Different translations play it off differently. But Kira's like, no, you don't know who's in there. And he's acts like, cowardly soldiers running away. I no sh- escape pod for you. That's what Raul the Crusade taught me earlier when he was like, Nickel and Hathorn suck. They don't blow up ships. <laughs> <laughs> blow up all the ships. And he's acts like, I have a horrible scar. I will need a mask like him soon. Time to start following by his example. And he shoots the shuttle with the little girl who gave Kira the flower on it. And we go to slow-mo. Kira is... Shocked again. But and we go to late. freeze frame, actually. Yeah, we see the a shot of the flower, and then we see everyone dying and blowing up, and the explosion blows the strike away, and that's the end of the episode. And it's even more jarring, because up until this point, the end of each episode, the ending theme has started as the episode is ending. Here it just kicks on as the episode fades to credits. Yeah, that was a really rough transition, and I think it benefited from being so, honestly, because it really drives home the jarring impact of what Kira just experienced. Man, that kid cannot catch a break. Yeah, nope. I mean, it ends It ends right there. There's no, like, denouement right there where it starts bleeding into it. It's, no, think Archive. on this. Yeah, so that's the episode. And like we said, it's a pretty good one. Very intense. Kira can't catch a break and he's not about to start. One of his many love interests made out with him. That's, that's a break. true. But it wasn't Lackis, so who cares? He, he should worry, though. All the Flay Kira shippers, I, Flira, is that what they call them? I don't know. That sounds right. That's what I would call them. Clay? He should Clay be Hill. He, he should be worried, though, because anytime something good happens to him, something horrible happens to somebody else. That's true. He's like, no, this is awful. Why, Flay? You've murdered an entire shuttle of civilians by making me happy. All right. So, yeah. Do we have any other big thoughts on this? It's kind of hard to go on because it's a cliffhanger, even though the next episode doesn't have a lot to. The next episode is actually a clip episode. I suppose we can start there and say if you're watching the original series, we're skipping episode 14. Because uh, it's pure clips? Yeah, because it's a filler episode. We're skipping episode 14 within Endless Time because it's mostly a clip episode and going straight to 15, respective Solitude. If you're watching the HD version, they kind of combine them. Coincidentally, it's called Within Endless Time because it feels endless watching all these clips of things you've seen already. And that's not even the worst clip episode I've ever seen. Oh, no. It's not Destiny, where they have a clip episode, a regular episode, and then another clip episode. (laughs) Gotta pad that runtime. But anyway, Destiny's not for a long time. So, yeah, any thoughts on this episode besides what we've gotten so far? 
Man, it was great. It sucks to be Kira. <laughs> it yeah. does suck to be Kira, but that was a great episode. It hit home. I actually got a little bit wistful as the Admiral died. I it liked the Admiral. Yeah, he was a cool guy, and Maru had affection for him, and, so, and, then, and then he's dead. A lot of the way Gundam Seed gets its kill count is by introducing an, a, a character, making him cool, and then killing him the next episode. Everyone's too cool to live except Moo. All right. High point, Tyler? Specifically the moment where uh, Kira kicks Izak in the face. It's cool. <laughs> and thereby gains momentum. Zach, high point? When Kira shows up and shocks the bridge by appearing that he's still actually part of the part of this fight. Yeah, yeah, that's an easy moment to overlook just because of how many emotional moments are in this episode. Yeah. But yeah, that's a good one. And the HD remake actually did a way better job it, of animating it everyone's really reaction to did. it. really did. I really like that part because it is like, I have gone on and on about Kira's horrible decision making, but that appearance is obvious that everybody made it very, <laughs> very obvious that no one was expecting him to make this decision. And they're kind of relieved that he's made this decision. I honestly kind of forgot that everyone else didn't already know because we as the audience have known the whole time. Because he's the main character. Yeah. Whereas they don't know he's the main character. Whereas <laughs> even here, Nataro shouldn't even know that Kira is still around because he made the decision on his own. Yeah, because he went straight from the hangar to the locker room to get his gear. Yep. And then immediately back to the strike. High point for me, I think, is the fight between the strike and the duel in the atmosphere. I don't think that we've seen something like that in Gundam before. I guess we definitely have multiple times. I'm lying. Um, <laughs> but it's never been this well animated. Yeah, it's in Gundam Wing and in Char's counterattack. Well, in Wing, I can't. I don't think they were actually really dueling. The Epion in and the Wing Zero do. And then oh, and then the he breaks zero. off to, to yeah. shoot down the... Okay, yeah, they're, they're totally dueling at that point. Yeah, you're right. My bad. But yeah, it's cool. It's never been this well animated and... Isaac and Kira are intense teenagers instead of emo gifts. <laughs> I guess I do prefer Amaro and Char yelling about each other about philosophy a little bit, but this is still pretty cool. All right, low points. It's a little hard for me to think of one. So I guess, Tyler, you can start. I mean, you'll have to give me a second to pull something out. Do you, do you because have one, Zach? The loss of the Admiral. Yeah, that sucks. It I would really, be cool really if he stuck around. Yeah, I really, really liked him as a character because he he performed a very nice counterpoint to a lot of the other officers of either side we've seen in the show so far. Yeah, especially the high ranking officers. And Clearly then he immediately he and Flay's is, dad should hang out. Flay's dad. Clearly, he and Lex's dad should hang yeah, out. And, and then he immediately is more. dropped off the off of it. I mean, and it really made it more poignant because when he shows up, he immediately shoots down Otaro's solution to. Basically kidnap Kira's parents to force him into the military. <laughs> yeah, he's a likable guy. And, yeah, and he talks to Kira about how one soldier won't win a war, and like he's just a very likable individual. And thus died the only reasonable authority figure in the Earth Alliance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I guess Mu has authority over some people. Maru has authority over some people. Yeah. Or she's not he's the, the crew authority figures. Uh, she's reasonable. Maru is a lot better than some of the characters we're going to be getting. Actually, so it's maybe not a point, but I feel like the slapdash attempt to, to characterize the Zaft officer who died. Zelman? Yeah. I don't know if that's really characterization or just them justifying him taking these measures. They make a point to show the Gundam pilots reacting adversely. I mean, clearly they would. They knew the guy. But it seemed like it came out of nowhere, he, like we didn't know who this guy was, and he just died all of a sudden. I actually understand what he's saying, because as opposed to Admiral Halberton, who- I'm we, just playing devil's advocate. We got to I see, see what he's saying, too. A, uh, you know, we got to see characterization for him, so we feel something when he dies, as opposed to, what was his name? George? Yeah. Flay's dad? Or he's Flay's dad, doesn't really get a whole lot of characterization before dying. It's the same situation with Zellman, whereas Halberton, they actually went out of the way to give him some personality, whereas Zellman, he gets a shot, and everybody goes, the hell is that? 
Like, I lament his beard more than him. <laughs> uh, speaking of giving someone some personality, I'm going to say my low point is how Diarca is characterized because he's got a lot of screen time in this episode. And I think they're and trying he, to make him like the cool doesn't care guy. He speaks a lot of English and Japanese, which makes that a bit easier. Diarca will definitely get better, but a lot of the early series, he is just the fourth guy. Yeah. He is attached to Izak. Well, the thing is like, Isaac and Atherin in the early series have a lot of personality, and Nickel and Diarca are just kind of extensions well, of Atherin and Isaac. I but feel Nickel like, is a way more interesting extension. Yeah, and I feel like uh, Diarca plays really well off of Isaac. They just don't get a lot of screen time together. Because Isaac now has to super murder the strike forever. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I agree. It didn't even occur to me. Like, I was watching a thing about information density recently and how effectively you have to convey stuff through dialogue, or I guess how little dialogue you get. And they waste Diarca's dialogue. But to be fair, though, when you put it like that, Gundam Seed has so many characters and so many of them stand out, which is why the series is so good. So missing a little bit on one of them is... But he's one uh, of the mobile suit pilots. I, like, I least, feel like I know about Muriaria than I do about at this least guy. two of Diarca's lines are basically set dressing to remind you that they're fighting in the atmosphere, yeah. or at least close enough to the atmosphere that makes it difficult. Like, like we already knew that, guys. Give him some character or something. Exposition? You could give me some exposition there. I'd be okay with that. Well, but he, that he are. That he's giving exposition about... Stuff we already knew. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. I think it's because that cool doesn't care thing is hard to actually get across in a in a, an effective manner that doesn't make him sound bland as hell. Yeah. Because he doesn't care. I mean, there are situations you could do later where, like... Although, I guess you can also show, like, when does this guy crack? Yeah. And clearly he's not cracking here, still. All right. So we have a list of all the mobile suits and how cool we think they are on our <laughs> website at www.lasttimeonvideogames.com. Uh, do we want to go ahead and add the dual Gundam with the Assault Shroud to that? Since I think so. This is its debut and it gets to show off. The Assault Shroud gives it a missile launcher on one shoulder and a cannon on another. I love shoulder cannons on mobile suits. Totally into them. Also makes it feel less like the Gundam. It also makes it a lot bulkier. I think overall I prefer the Assault Shroud. We all agree it's better than no assault shroud duel. Right? Yes. Yeah. So above that is the Mobius Zero. I don't know if I like it more than the Mobius Zero or not. It's... I really like the Mobius Zero. Yeah. yeah so do and, I. And the duel is still pretty boring. It's got a terrible color palette too. Like the more I think about, it, the more I really dislike the colors it shows. Blue for. and orange. Yeah. Well, what kind not... of color are more you? Blue and gray. Well, yeah. The, There's say, barely it, any orange in. There. I know. It's not high contrast blue and orange. Like if it was brighter colors, I would like it more. Like I don't know. It looks. It, it's a very gray blue too. I don't really care for that color of blue. Like how are you going to sell toys with this, guys? Like you need more contrast. Well, because people will want the first four, and then they will feel like they need the fifth. Well, okay. The reason have... there are five Gundams is every series is that Bandai is pretty much determined. That's the point where people <laughs> who like three of them will buy the other two. Just for the sake of having all of them. Yeah. I've, I argued that the Buster is really bland, too, with the, like, drab olive. Yeah, I don't like the Buster either, and you guys seemed really into it when it first showed well, up. I like and the Buster's great, color palette high. because it makes sense for what that thing is supposed to do. Oh, Long definitely. range fire support. Yes, it looks bland. But it also looks functional, whereas the rest of them look way too gaudy to me. Yeah. The duel is both gaudy and ugly. You know, worst of both worlds. It's like a peacock with a rapier. So the, the <laughs> duel with the Astrout Shard is just going to go way above the duel below the Mobius Zero? Sounds like so. it. Okay, not much of an improvement. All right, so that should do it for this episode. Like we said, a really good one, and things will slow down a bit, but not in a bad way. Next week, when we take a look at episode... What numbering do we want to use? Do we want to just call it 15? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to look at episode 15, Respective Solitude. The one with Kigali again. 
Although Kigali Returns is until episode 17. So. <laughs> Bye. Launch! to the manual last night, this thing sure looks like a lot of fun. Sure, it's great that the striker packs can be mounted onto it, but what am I now, a delivery boy? <laughs> well, Lieutenant, whoops, sorry, Commander. In your capable hands, all deliveries are guaranteed whether near or far. I'm thankful to the Admiral for the promotion, but little good it does in this situation. I mean, the pay raise is gratifying and everything. When can I spend it, though? <laughs>